Luke Darnell, pitmaster of Old Virginia Smoke Barbecue, and I'm here to tell you about my new online class available at barbecuechamps.com. This is a 100% tell-all competition barbecue class from yours truly available online. It is a master class with 34 high-definition tell-all online competition barbecue videos that can be watched anytime and they do not expire. They are packed full of pro tips, techniques, and recipes that will show you how to take your barbecue to the next level. These 34 barbecue cooking videos total seven hours and will show you everything that you need to take your competition cooking to a level that you never thought was possible. We've already heard from several teams that have bought our classes and have already seen success and gotten their first calls. So this is something that brings me a lot of joy in sharing my knowledge and seeing people be successful with it. So are you ready to take your competition and backyard cooking to the next level? What are you waiting for? Just go ahead and go to barbecuechamps.com and find Luke Darnell Old Virginia Smoke. We hope you learn a lot and enjoy these videos and have as much fun cooking these recipes as we had making them. Welcome to another edition of Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast. My name is Luke Darnell, your host for this episode, and we are here with one of the, I guess you'd put him on the Mount Rushmore of East Coast barbecue for sure, but definitely the first East Coast team to make their presence known in the KCBS team of the year and won it in 2012, if I'm correct. Uh, you uh, are correct. That's right. We got Dan Hickson with three eyes. How you doing, buddy? Pretty good, man. How you doing? Good, good. How's the off-season treating you? Good. Nice and relaxing. Yeah. You had me on the Mount Rushmore until you relegated it to the East Coast, and I was disappointed. But. <laughs> well, I mean, you're definitely up there in terms of, you know, the thing that I think about, especially in 2012, which was pretty much the year before we started cooking, was the schedule that you guys maintained that year in terms of cooking every weekend. That was, an, I think that was one of the first times that anybody really approached it that way. Is that accurate? Um, I don't know. Um, it was purely accidental. Um, that's not what we set out to do that year. Um, it was absolutely grueling, though, I will tell you that. It's where right. some of these gray hairs came from, I'm sure. <laughs> cooking that many weeks is, um, I tell people that are new to this, and they're like, I'm going to cook 35 times this year. I'm like, Make sure you build in some time off on that. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Absolutely brutal. I mean, if it was all clustered within, you know, an hour of each other, um, it'd be easier. But when you throw in the travel, uh, it's it's kind of it's a lot. Absolutely. And travel, time off and all of that. Um, one of my favorite questions is um, how your career and life experiences outside of barbecue has prepared you to be a pit master. How of yours? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, for, I mean, over 20 years, I was an environmental consultant, um, and I looked for mistakes and errors in, in people's work and very detail-oriented, um, and I think that carried over in the, into what I do uh, in barbecue. Um, I think it's important to be detail-oriented and organized. Um, if you're not, you can still win, but I don't think you're going to win consistently. So I think that's an important important part. Right, probably that, but also probably a lot with the problem solving as well. 
I would imagine that had a big part to deal with it too. Yeah, so it's making mistakes. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, I've taught lots of students and people have always said, you know, how do you know that? How, how do you know how to deal with all this? And, and frankly, it's because I, I made those mistakes before and I learned from them and I remembered. So um, that's a lot of the problem solving is, is learning from your mistakes. Do you have a favorite mistake that sets you up for success later? A favorite competition mistake? Oh, I don't know the word favorite comes to mind, but, um, <laughs> you know, when you have a fleck of foil in your box and you lose a grand championship because of it and you got DQ'd, um, it definitely sticks with you. Um, so, yeah, because of that, I'm making sure that there's no foil on any sauce lids, uh, you know, double checking if I'm piercing foil, you know, I'm absolutely paranoid about foil still to this day, just, just from that. So that's definitely a mistake, though. You would have think, thought a lot of us would have learned from that, too, and not pierce the foil, and I still do it every contest. <laughs> I, I still do it as well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, you know, you got to draw the line somewhere. Right. I'm not you know, opening that. the smallest freaking piece of foil I've ever seen in my life, by the way. Oh, my gosh. Where was that? Was that? That was uh, Beltway. Beltway, that's right. Yeah. John Bush, you know, handshaking, coming up to me. You know, um, I, I put my arm around him and I said, John, it's okay. Tell me what's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> my team didn't even want to get me. I mean, they're like, uh, Dan, uh, the, the reps here. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And, and I remember that. I remember John. I remember watch, watching John walk over and visibly like upset. And yeah, that's one rule that I just, you know, that's something that, I've often asked other judges too that have cooked with us, like, if you see that, would you take it out or would you? That's the worst. Like there were some master judges that I knew and completely unsolicited came up to me and said, Dan, if that was, you know, if that was in front of me, I would have just flicked it off and kept going. I'm like, does that make you feel better? I mean, I, I didn't make right. it better. No, no. What's, you know, you've had a lot of success in barbecue and you've created a great rub company and a great rub. What's the most surprising thing to come out of competition barbecue for you? Friends? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I went into barbecue because I like to cook and, and I'm competitive. Um, but I, I didn't really think that I was going to make such lasting friends. And some of the people that I've met um, are, are incredible people. And I keep in touch with them outside of barbecue. Um, so um, that's been a, a big surprise and um, definitely a big part of my life. Yeah, that's and I often tell Kim all the time the only reason we still do this is because of the people. So <laughs> you don't like doing this anymore, Luke? I I like doing it, but I like doing it as often as I am doing it now. You know, 12, <laughs> 12 to fifteen times a year is plenty of time, plenty of cooks. I'm kind of in the same boat, um, and I, I think my days of sleeping on the floor of the trailer are over too. As I as I've gotten older, you know, yeah, there's that's... little things that just don't make sense anymore. Exactly. Those things hurt more. <laughs> yeah, when you start waking up, go, why the fuck am I doing this? Like, <laughs> yeah, or the creaking and, 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 you know, the breaking of bones as you get up. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Let's talk about gear a little bit. Um, what's one of the best investments that you've ever made in competition barbecue? One of the best investments in gear? Uh, porch trailer. I mean, I think I was one of the first to have one. Um, and it's because backwood smokers, I mean, competitors weigh 400, 400 plus pounds. Um, and, and, you know, any wheeled 
form that that's on 400 pounds is going to bust and break and bend. So, you know, we were hurting ourselves getting those smokers in and out of a trailer all the time. Um, and then you had to level them on, on wet ground and uneven ground and stuff like that. So a porch trailer made all the difference in the world because we can level the trailer and then we can cook on something, you know, a, a platform. So that changed the game. And I think people saw that it changed the game and a lot of people bought them after that. Absolutely. And you had one of the, one of the extreme trailers first yeah. off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't think they make those anymore. I think he, he's went out of business. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was, it was a good trailer. Um, it's everything we needed. Um, and, um, uh, I still have one. I mean, not an extreme one, but I have one still today. Uh, I can't imagine. I do probably two or three a year without a trailer. And I always go, why didn't I bring the trailer? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I remember uh, King of the Smokers one year, you know, and there's no trailers there, and we, we were cooking on cobblestones. And um, if you've ever spent three days on cobblestones, um, man, did that wreck my knees and ankles and everything else. Absolutely. All that stuff is great. It's expensive, though. Do you have any tools or things that you've used that are $100 or less? that have really helped you out? This is my favorite question, by the way. I love the answers to this question. Easy, man. Um, Thermapen. I mean, without a Thermapen, I, I mean, I still use one at home. I mean, cooking chicken, you know, pork. Um, I, I, I draw the line with steak. I, I cook steak better without it. Um, but um, it, that hands down, that's the best investment, I think, for under 100 bucks. Absolutely. That's not, that's not I, a fun answer, but it's a functional answer. It actually <laughs> says in... Uh, in parentheses here is that you can't say thermopen. <laughs> really? That's what, I usually tell people that, but, but I, it's funny because I recently got to cook with some people, um, down in North Carolina and I'm like, did you have one of these? And the guy said, I've never even seen one. And I gave it to him. Um, he's a very sentimental person. And he was like, man, I can't believe you gave me your thermopen. And I was like, I have like nine, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's so important to people, especially I think when they're starting out, so that not only to see the number, but also to feel feel the tenderness. I think it's more important that way than any number ever could be. Absolutely. No, I, I agree. Um, the thing to watch out for is, uh, you know, if you're using guru probes and thermopen probes and everything else, though, something uh the creator of Barbecue Guru um, said to me once, which is the the man with too many watches never knows what time it is. So <laughs> you can have too many different readings, but I always default to the uh, the thermopen reading. That's good because my next question is about technology, and you still use the gurus. I'm a stubborn bastard, dude. Like <laughs> I stick with what works. I let trends go their own way, and uh, you know I I stick with what I know and what works. Um, I am still using the barbecue guru. Um, um, I am open to other technologies. <laughs> just a very slow thing for me. You know, I got to play around within the background, make sure everything works. I know the intricacies of those inside and out, so it's kind of comforting. Speaking of which, I still have that. I have a care package for you of a bunch of that stuff that I have. Oh, um, I remember you said that, and you never gave me anything. I haven't seen you since then. <laughs> You're just mad that we won at that contest. No, we? I was not. <laughs> I was, if you recall, I was one of the ones celebrating that. It was, no, uh, I don't. Just it, was a, it was a fun weekend. That uh, <laughs> Smoke on the rails. I'm he already, does a good job, man. He's one of, one of the best organizers, I think. 
I, especially out this way, he does a great job and I emailed him already just to make sure those dates were on the calendar just because they're pretty turnkey. Let's, uh, let's switch to people a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. who's impacted your life the most in competition barbecue? That's an easy one. I mean, uh, Tuffy Stone, um, he might not even know it. I mean, no, it's, that's who I helped the first time. And I, I, I put in quotes help because I really just got in his way. And when I was first getting started in barbecue, um, I tell anybody that he set me ahead, just watching him set me ahead a good three years in competition barbecue, I think. Just his attention to detail, what he was doing, how he was cooking. That was the best brisket I ever tasted uh, to date when, when I when I tasted what his competition brisket was. Um, so, I mean, that was before Tuffy was Tuffy, if you will. No, no one really knew him. You know, he hadn't had accolades. Hell, at that competition, it was New Holland, Pennsylvania. A uh, lesson I learned was he cooked the best barbecue I've ever tasted and never got out of his chair at awards. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, it was um, – humbling to, to see that you know it's a good lesson to learn early on too you can cook good stuff and still not walk exactly <laughs> we've all been there before that's for yeah. sure unfortunately so when you have a problem in barbecue who do you call if you're having a problem with the meat anybody who will listen <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I can get kind of vocal uh when i'm having and, and I'm, I'm not kidding i mean sometimes just talking to somebody, anybody, just hearing yourself um, talk through what you're feeling and, and, and what you're thinking, um, you can learn a lot from just yourself. And then no matter who it is, um, can give you a little nugget here or there that um, is just a different perspective that you're not looking at. Um, a lot of times it's just something stupid, um, something that you just didn't realize you changed. Um mm-hmm a rub that's heavier, lighter than you, you used before, or, you know, a, a brand that you didn't even remember switching to. Um, it doesn't have to be, that's the thing with competition barbecue. You know, it doesn't have to be something grand and extreme. A lot of people go towards that, gravitate towards that, but sometimes it's, it's the smallest things possible and make a big difference. So yeah, I, like and I, get, yeah I just like to get a lot of different, takes on things and then kind of triangulate the, the, the common ground. And I think a lot of that, especially when you're talking about younger people and newer people in the, in the hobby, it's really just shutting up and listening and paying attention. I think that that's, that's the number one thing that people can learn. If you, if you sit around and you're nice and, and you just listen, you can pick up so many little tips. Mm-hmm. No, that's a huge tip. Luke. I, I think, I hope everyone's listening to that. <laughs> it's a good one. Um, so these are my favorite questions too. Habits, rituals, and routines. Are you superstitious fella? Yes. I mean, isn't everybody to some degree? I mean, there's really too many to, to list. Um, <laughs> I kind of covered up with, it's not really all superstition is that you have to be consistent. That's, that's what I say at least, you know, so it's a, under a veil of being consistent do a lot of those things come up. Like, I mean, I, I buy my chicken the exact same day every day from the exact same place. You know, when I'm, when I'm, when it's competition week, you know, I inject the exact same time, but then it gets beyond that. You know, I, I pack the same clothes. I pack the same socks. Um, unlike someone in football, I actually do wash my underwear. Um, but, 
<laughs> but yeah, like I want to make sure it's the same socks, the same pants. I mean, I have a pair of shorts that have been sewn so many times that it's ridiculous. Um, it really becomes prominent when I GC. When I GC, I kind of lock in everything. You know, mm-hmm. the cooking methods, what I was wearing, you know, what my mindset was, everything. Uh, and then, you know, when you lose again, it's it's not like it's all by the wayside, but it loosens up a little bit. Right, right. The camouflage shorts, they're, they're a trademark. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a uniform now, though. So, like, I, I don't know. I kind of feel like I need to change into something else these days. <laughs> and music. I know music's a part of the cook. Music is definitely a part of the cook. Um, Octane all the way, whatever they're playing, Sirius Radio, um, always a favorite. Um, and then, you know, when, whenever I was competing with Tex, he'd throw me for a loop and the, the freaking Grinch would be playing in like July. And it threw my whole game off. I mean, you know, it's, 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 I, you can't have that. No, uh, it, it, it screws <laughs> up everything. I mean, people don't realize it. Yeah, it's. I mean, we have a list of a hundred songs, and those any of those hundred songs can come on, and everything's fine. The minute somebody else is like, "Oh, let me play something," no, <laughs> like, like that doesn't work, Rick Hamilton. You can't play that song. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it upsets the balance, right? It does, much like him buying burn ends from Costco. Like, that was disturbing. I mean, I actually lost sleep over that one. I was like, you know, I don't know how many times I've seen stuff like that, but I didn't think anybody I know would actually buy it. I mean, let alone taste it and consume it. I mean, come on. He it's bought like it for the, for the family dinner that night. That's what he bought. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I was yeah. like, and then I saw your comment on there, and I was like, thank you. Finally, somebody else that can feel my pain on this guy <laughs> i mean it's just let's let's be honest there's no way that that's good it's, no it's just not yeah can't be it's probably steak it's probably not even brisket <laughs> at least he owned up to it though he did he that's he never has that problem <laughs> <laughs> what uh where was that question? So you mentioned that you buy your chicken the same day same place is your competition week the same Every time you have a competition? Yeah, unless I make a change. But, I mean, and, and changes for me are very small. Um, but, yeah, I try and keep the same routine. I, the competition is really a whole weekly thing. I mean, whether I'm doing a lot back-to-back or whether I'm just doing one, it really is a full week. I try and I try and spread out the load over your, your body, frankly. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's a lot. You know, so if I can buy – you know, some stuff on Monday and then trim some stuff on Tuesday, trim more on Wednesday, make injections on, on Wednesday. You know, my Thursday uh, afternoon and evening, I really don't want to be doing anything. I, I just want to be sitting on the couch watching TV, getting my head in the game and resting. You know, right. I, I'm not the type of guy, if, if I'm scrambling around on Thursday night, the, the weekend isn't going to go well. Um, it's just it's just how I am. I want to I want to front load everything and make it easier for myself. Um, at the competition. Right. And I you said a key, key word in their arrest. Yeah. No, I think that it, this isn't arrogance. It's just, if you, if you plan ahead and prepare, I think the actual cooking, the competition is the easiest part of the whole process. I, I mean, that's, that's the fun. That's the easy part. It's everything in the front end. That's hard for me. Yeah. And 
I've learned that rest is the barbecue superpower, you know, and being, you know, I love to have fun at the contest just like everybody else, but nine o'clock comes, I'm in the rack. I don't have to go to bed, but I can't be out doing things that I normally do. So <laughs> yeah. Um, 10 o'clock's my, my, my bewitching hour now, but, um, and that's forced cause I want to stay up longer. You know, I really do. I want to have conversations with people. I want to talk. My team laughs at me because I could be mid conversation. It'll turn 10 o'clock and be like, okay, good night. You know, <laughs> just shut it right off. I think you even saw it at that competition. Though. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> like, all right. I'm out, guys. See you. I think it was even after a significant amount of tequila that happened too. Yeah. No, my, my, <laughs> I've, I've learned to listen to me, barbecue or not barbecue. When the little voice in my head says, you know, you might as well just stay up all night. This is this. You're feeling great. That's when I go to bed. <laughs> Always. I've learned. This podcast is brought to you by BarbecueData.com. BarbecueData.com is your one-stop shop for all of your barbecue competition data. Historical data, calls, wins, placements, everything under one roof. It's a great way not only to track yourself in the standings, but also to track how you improve your scores from year to year. Listeners of this podcast can receive 20% off of a new subscription to BarbecueData.com with the code PITPOD. That's one word, all capital letters, P-I-T-P-O-D, pit pod. So check your team scores, check on others, and do it all on barbecuedata.com. How do you relate to when you're cooking and you're, I know you're very regimented and you have your, your systems and your processes, but when you get that gut feeling about something, how do you relate to that during a, a competition cook? You're talking like intuition, right? Yeah. Um, Intuition's huge. As I've gotten older, I've realized to learn to listen to intuition more. Um, when I was younger, I tend to ignore it and focus more on, on, on what I'm seeing in, in the moment. But as I've gotten older, I've realized that intuition um, really is accurate. Um, and it oftentimes doesn't make sense. Um, so it's sometimes a leap of faith to go towards your intuition. Um, but I've really had, or even... I can't even think of a scenario where it steered me wrong, to be honest with you. Like if um, a brisket is, is a good thing for that. I've stared at yeah. that for readings. I know it's rendering, you know, and, and something, a little voice in your head again says, you know, it's done, you know, and, and you pull it and your team looks at like, like you're an idiot. Um, but it, it worked, <laughs> you know, and you right. can't really explain why it wasn't maybe your target temperature or, you know, things were different. You know, but um, if you listen to it, you're fine. If you don't and you ignore it, I've ended up with a lot of brisket that falls apart after that. Like, should have pulled it it earlier. The little voice, the little voice knows whether it's a a bad influence or a good influence. (laughs) 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 No, I think that's an age thing, or at least for me, it's been an age thing just to learn, learn to listen to that voice. Right. And my next question is kind of an age thing too. What's, what do you think are the biggest changes, good or bad from cooking back in the day, you know, 2012, 2013, 2014 to, to what we do now? There's a lot of differences. Yeah, you sound like the old guy when we start talking like this, but Gosh, we, we, we I know. are the old guys. Um, right. <laughs> man, it was more fun back then. I'll just say it. 
I mean, it was harder. It was more fun. There was more camaraderie. Um, it was the damn trailers. I mean, I love the trailer. I, I wouldn't give up my trailer. Um, actually, I did give up my trailer, and then I bought another trailer. Um, but without those, and you're, you know, the, the competition looks like a refugee camp with all the, the jammed-in, you know, uh, easy-ups. You know, you're going through what everybody else is going through. A thunderstorm comes through, and you're getting wet, your neighbor's getting wet. You know, if the field floods, you're, you're flooding, your, your other guys, your competitors are flooding. You know, it just, it creates a bond there that, like, you just don't have these days. Yeah. Um, people staying up later, people sharing bottles, passing it back and forth. I mean, we have some of that, but it's kind of like forced. It's like created, you know, it's let's meet up at this hour at this place. It's not the same. Yeah, it's definitely, oh. definitely morphed into more of a, I call it a tournament atmosphere more than a, a com- competitive yet jovial atmosphere as the way. Yeah. I mean, so some of, you know, my, my favorite stories and, and, and stuff are, are from back in the day when I started, um, you know, you can't make up stuff like someone taking shovels at 2 AM and trying to build a drainage ditch through their site to drain off the water. Cause a thunderstorm <laughs> came through. I mean like that, <laughs> that's just hilarious, you know? <laughs> yeah. But then, I think about those people when I'm sleeping in my trailer and <laughs> I know, but you asked, I mean, it, I know, I mean, but I miss it too. I, I know that I'm part of the problem, you know, and I didn't say it was easier. I said it was more fun. <laughs> <laughs> and that was like King of the Smokers though. I mean, that was the thought behind that, you know, was to yeah. get back to that and, and just have canopies and, 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 you know, not have trailers and have everybody together. And it, it, it was good. Yeah, Absolutely. What do you think, I mean, and I'm going back because of your experience, what do you think separates a good pitmaster from a great pitmaster? You can't, no, uh, stuttering because you can't put your finger on it. Um, I've taught a lot of people, and I, I can teach anybody to cook. I can teach anybody to make decent barbecue. Some people, and this isn't a barbecue specific thing, by the way, we're just talking about barbecue. Some people have it. Some people have an innate ability to cook. Some people have an innate ability to cook better barbecue than another person. Um, my wife has that in real estate, in real estate now. Um, she's taught me real estate. I can do real estate. I'm good at real estate, but I'm not as good as her in real estate. You know, and it's the same thing in barbecue. Um, you'll run into people that are, that are better than others and you can't really figure out why. Um, so I think in life, you know, everybody's just got to find the thing that they're better at than everybody else. Cause I think everybody has an it. They just don't always know what it is. Huh, that's, deep a great answer. that's pretty deep, man. <laughs> <laughs> I always start class with like, you know, 50% of you are never going to be able to do this. And that's just the math on it, you know? And they all look at me like I'm crazy. And I'm like, some of you just aren't going to get it, you know, and that's fine. You know, don't get upset about it, but just know that that's possible. And you mean by like 50% of people aren't going to GC or walk or what do you, what do you think? They're about? just never going to get, get really good at it. You know, it's, 
it's that ability isn't there or the ability to parse information or, um, you know, and I think that right now, you know, back, back when I started, there wasn't a glut, the glut of information that there is now. And I think that, I think that a lot of people get overloaded now with different things and different techniques and different cookers and different ingredients and all this stuff that it really becomes really hard for, for decision-making to take place. I just think there's, it's like anything, you know, we're on information overload. And I think that that plays a big part in, in today's competition barbecue world. 100%. Um, everybody's looking for the magic bullet and um, people that take like five classes in a year, you've just confused yourself. Congratulations. Right. You know, that, that's how that works. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not doing as many contests as I was before. Um, I'm not winning as many contests, I'm not competing as, you know, there's not as many reps there, whatever, but um, I'm still doing well. And, um, you know, this might be a sales pitch, but it's not meant to be. It's truth. I still use three ounce barbecue rub on right. everything. Um, I'm using more of my beef rub, actually, if there's any kind of change. But, you know, those are the two main rubs that I use. And by main, I mean like 90% of my shit has three eyes on it. Mm-hmm. Since I started to today. Like, I mean, there's a gazillion rubs out there, but everything revolves around that. You don't need to be reaching for all kinds of crazy stuff. You know, if you're not winning, it's not you need a new rub or you need a new sauce or whatever. It's stick with what you're doing and and, and refine it, you know, make it make it yours. I approach classes that way. I will be taking a class next year as well. Um, I take class pretty much once a year and I don't incorporate everything. A lot of that goes in my back pocket for when something goes wrong or, you know, I don't know what else, what my next move is. Then I reach into that back pocket and pull something out. Yeah. But, um, hundred percent, the amount of information out there is too much. Um, and I think people have got away from experimenting and doing their own thing. Um, they just want to regurgitate somebody else's. Yeah. They want, you said it earlier, they want the magic bullet. Yes, and it doesn't exist. It does not. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Please tell me that you got to the rapid-fire questions. I did. You're giving away the secret that I've actually seen the questions. No, no. it's not. I ask everybody if they want to see them or not. Um, But just so everybody knows, there's a shit ton of questions. Uh, Are you making me look back at him? No, no. Are you ready to go? Rapid fire? All right. What do you see about about barbecue on social media that upsets or bothers you? Nothing. (laughs) Meaning? No, I I don't get upset about barbecue and social media. I mean, everybody's got an opinion. Uh, People are firing away on stuff, but it, it really doesn't bother me. That's a great answer. What is one of your favorite pre, during, or post-competition meals? Pizza and Chinese food. I crave those every time um, post-cooking. Pre, I I tend to stay with safe foods. By safe, I mean a big guy with sensitive stomach, so I don't go for crazy stuff. I'm not eating kimchi the day before a competition. You know, I'm not not loading up on Chinese before I go to a competition. You know, a chicken sandwich, good, fine. Good to go. What is your favorite brand of tequila? That wasn't on there. 
<laughs> so historically, it's been Patron, and specifically Patron Silver. But Milagro Silver is twenty bucks a bottle cheaper, and I can't tell a difference. So I'm gonna, hmm. I'm, gonna I'm gonna give the nod to Milagro Silver. Okay. Do you have a favorite present that you like to give to people? Favorite present. I mean, leftover barbecue. Everybody loves leftover barbecue. But my ultimate favorite present is a bottle of my rub. Um, everybody loves to rub. That's um, a great rub. But in my opinion, everybody loves the rub. <laughs> All right, man. Last question. If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, getting a message out to millions of people, what would it say and why? It's not barbecue related. But if That's you're looking fine. to buy or sell a home, contact Dan Hickson. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's great i was not expecting that i was expecting buy more three eyes rub no. but i love the <laughs> i'm picturing you like from with uh that paul rudd movie where he was a real estate agent and he had all those like dressed up like a mexican or in a thong <laughs> it's gold man it's 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 a gift i give all my clients and it's uh, we've changed the label to where it's like half barbecue and half real estate works like a charm man every, every everybody loves it <laughs> when they grab that bottle of rub they're they're thinking of me for buying and selling a home too so that's fantastic well where can people find you online where can they find the rub um most online retailers have it uh barbecue superstores um big pop smokers um and amazon uh you know just a couple off top but um look for it and if you don't see it somewhere your hometown shop or anything, uh, just Dan at three com. Let me know. Happy to get it in that store. Great. Thanks a lot for being on, man. I All really right. appreciate it. Had fun. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Pitmaster, an old Virginia smoke podcast. Be sure to subscribe and like the podcast, rate the podcast and to share it out with your friends. Also be sure to check out the old Virginia smoke. TikTok as well. Old Virginia smoke. One word. That's all you have to search for. It's hilarious. Tune in next week for another great episode of Pitmaster. For companies interested in advertising, please contact Old Virginia Smoke directly via www.oldvirginiasmoke.com. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is edited by Chris Sedanka. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is a property of Old Virginia Smoke, LLC. Old Virginia Smoke. Old Virginia, Old Virginia Smoke. Oh, yeah. Virginia, old Virginia smoke. Old Virginia, old Virginia smoke.